Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Thank you to Hyundai, a proud partner of iHeartRadio's Black and Inspired HBCU celebration. iHeartRadio's Black, Black and Inspired Podcast. Welcome to iHeartRadio's Black and Inspired HBCU celebration episode. I'm Angela Yee, and I'm here with Megan Good and Giselle Bryant for an inspired conversation about topics important to the Black community. All right, so let's give a warm welcome to two people who I always enjoy talking to. Hi, Megan Good. Hi! <laughs> How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And of course, Giselle Bryan. Hi, Giselle. How are you? Hi, Angela. I miss you. Uh, listen, I love the fact that we get to sit here and have this conversation, though. So I just want to also, you know, give my best wishes to your families as well before we get started. Thank you. All right. So let's talk about this. Black women, one of my favorite topics to talk about, of course, because we know who we are. And black women do undeniably continue to raise the bar. It's been exemplified by Kamala Harris, vice president of the United States. How do you guys feel about the emergence of HBCU women alumni that are raising the bar in various different industries? Um, I'll go first since Megan is is trying to get that together down there. Okay, <laughs> I you know I I genuinely feel like it is about time. I feel like you know HBCUs overall have been overlooked for so long. Um, I remember when I went to Hampton and I would tell people that I was going to Hampton, you know, twenty plus years ago. Nobody knew what it no nobody knew what it was. Nobody knew um, understood it. When I would say that it's HBCU, people were like, what is that? So now there is no question what Hampton University and all these HBCUs are and the importance of them. So I'm just like, it's about daggone time. Mm -hmm. It's it's time that we get our flowers. (laughs) Yeah, for me, it's so interesting because, you know, I was already a child actor, so I didn't go to college. And when I did Stomp the Yard is really when I learned about HBCUs and you know, we went all across everywhere, you know, um, with the movie and talking and learning. And for me, it was really kind of like a, a, a education. And um, 
I think it is so important now because the education is so different, because the community is so different, because, you know, just the, the love, the um, respect and the community, it's just important that we have that and that that showcase and that these people, you know, who have come from HBCUs are in the world promoting the, the best of us. I agree. And I feel like college is so great for networking, too. So the fact that we have so many black women who are um, successful that have gone to HBCUs, that encourages other people to go. That encourages funding. Even if you didn't go to college, you know, you can still support because we do choose where we want our money to go and who we want to support. So even like my boss over here, I heard she went to Howard. I mean, to Hampton. Sorry, Giselle. Hampton, Hampton. <laughs> <laughs> of course she did. And she's amazing. She's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Thea. So ladies, and I'll start with you, Megan. Why is it so imperative for Black women to understand their worth and what they bring to the table? Okay. We are the table. And what ways can we breed more confidence in that area? Yeah, I think that um, it's super, super important um, for us to know our worth and to know what we're capable of and to know that what we put into the world is so unique to who we are, whether it's culturally, rather, you know, it's upbringing, but no matter what that is, it's very, very specific to our experience that is not like any other experience. And so just knowing that we are capable, knowing that sky is not even the limit, knowing that we are unique unto ourselves and nobody can bring what we can bring the way that we can do it. And that is our contribution. And just making sure that we know that as grown women, that young women know that, that little girls know that. Um, I can't think of anything that's more important than understanding your value and your worth and what you can contribute. And again, those things as a Black woman are very, very specific and very unique to our experience. Um, and I think the way that we can breed you know, confidence in that space, especially with the younger generation, is having conversations like this, is um, creating a safe place to just be able to talk to each other, to pour into each other, to acknowledge these things, to remind each other, to affirm each other. Um, and the more that we do that, you know, because w what you say and, and how you speak over someone, even if it's just pouring into them or influencing or inspiring can literally, literally change their life and change the course of their life and, and what they know that they can accomplish. And so um, I think it really is just about pouring into them and, and knowing these things and discovering yeah. them more. Um, uh, agreed. Um, I always look at it from the perspective of my daughters. So everybody knows I have three girls. My oldest is 17 and my twins are 15. So the importance of knowing who and what we are is important because um, it's, it's, it's very clear that we're different, right? It's very, you know, when these little girls go to school, it's very clear that they're different um, with, of the schools that my children go to from everyone else in the class. And so they've got to feel confident. They've got to feel pride. They've got to feel self-respect. Because if they don't, they'll just, um, as they get older, they won't know where they fit, right? Black women are so special and so unique, and we have to take pride in that. And we fit where we are. And I always say to my kids, like, it doesn't matter what other people look like, what other people think, how other people dress. You just got to be confident with who you are, your skin, your hair. What, how you pronounce words, how you dress, because this is your walk and your journey. 
And it's your responsibility to feel confident and to feel, to feel proud every day. I agree with both of what, what you both said. And I also feel like a lot of times our contributions have been downplayed. And just so often they try to make us feel like we don't belong in certain spaces. We're not smart. We're not beautiful. Even images that you might see in television and in media a lot of times don't reflect who we are in our diversity. And so I love the fact that now we're seeing more of that. We're also in positions of power where we can promote that even more. And, you know, even just the two of you being on the platforms that you're on, directing, acting, uh, being an entrepreneur, all of those things are really important because I totally believe that if you can see it, you can be it. And when someone can see you doing those things and a young black girl can see you then they can see themselves and they have something to aspire toward because a lot of times we don't even know what's possible. Yeah. And so both of you are saying like, for me growing up, that was a really big thing because I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood. We were like one of one black family for the longest time. And the images that I saw the conversations that I saw, those are the things that shaped my world, you know, seeing certain actresses on television was like, oh God, she looks like me. And like, that's possible for me, you know? And then of course, at those times, you know, you watch like the E! True Hollywood stories or like whatever, but you hear them talk as individuals and as human beings that are not necessarily acting in a scene, but telling their stories, experience, saying what they've experienced and what they've come through and the odds that they've beaten. And it's the, the chips that were stacked against them sometimes in life in general, but a lot of times just because of the color of their skin. Yeah. And you suddenly realize how powerful you are. And, and it's a minute to not look at it like, wow, that's that's unfair because, you know, growing up, I go out for certain roles and they would hire a girl who didn't look like me. And I was like, why did I come in the room in the first place? And I would feel like the, the odds were, you know, stacked against me. And then I realized like, oh, no, like that's my superpower. When I do get a job, everything was stacked against me and I got it anyways. It means so much more because I had to work so hard for it. It tells me how powerful I am that I constantly keep going through these hurdles and coming out on the other side. And what's even better than that is that I get to create opportunity for the little brown girl behind me so that she doesn't have to work as hard, but she still will understand and she will find value, you know, in the fact that her journey is different than everybody else's and she's still going to win and she's still going to see it and she's still going to be everything that God's created her um to be and and also to to what you were saying earlier like black women are the most exotic women in the world and we're often told that we're the least beautiful when in actuality we are the most exotic and we are the backbone and we are the ones who carry who love who support who create who are the backbone of so many things that we never get acknowledged for but that you know, a part of that is really our, our superpower. And I love that we're moving into a season where we can have conversations like this and acknowledge that now. Yeah. I, I, um, look, always look at it like, you know, when, when Barack Obama won his first presidency, of course, you know, that was just, uh, a monumental feat for all black people. Um, but of course he was still a man. So to see Kamala Harris be the vice president that meant so much more to my children who are all little girls. They're able to see, okay, I can aspire to be at one of the highest offices in the United States. 
She looks like me. Her hair is like mine. She speaks like me. Um, you know, me and um, the vice president are in the same sorority. They know all about my sorority. So that for them resonated so much more than a Barack Obama. No, no shade to him. That was amazing. But again, women, black women are so overlooked and um, sometimes treated as if we're not a part of the conversation. So at any time, there's somebody that's in a place that's aspirational. It just means so much more, especially to all of our young ladies coming behind us. I love that. And on that note, like I do want to always encourage other women to support each other because we need it the most for other Black women, even if it's something, a small gesture, leaving a nice comment, you know, reposting somebody's business, somebody's movie, somebody's show, and keeping it positive because, you know, we all know how difficult it can be for us. We have our days. And sometimes something little like that can change somebody's whole entire mood for the day, you know, because we, I feel like we get beat up on all the time. Yes. Um, you don't know how much like this was like two weeks ago and y'all gonna think this is funny, but um, I had posted something and Naomi Campbell like gave me a smiley face in my comment. Do you know, I was good for like a week. I was like, oh my gosh. And, you know, she acknowledged a, I, first of all, I didn't know she knew I existed. And secondly, it was just like somebody like a beautiful Naomi Campbell, who was like a bad one, was acknowledging something that I did, that meant so much to me. And I, I always try to, people don't realize the smallest things carry the most weight. Yeah. And that, and that's twofold, you know, the, the smallest things on the flip side too, when we, you know, when we don't look out for each other, when we don't protect each other, when we tear each other down, you know, those, those small things carry a lot of weight too. And so we just have to, um, be conscious of of the journey that we're on that is a, a journey that's already different just because we're women but on top of that because we're black women and i think that we have to be thoughtful about upholding each other and loving on each other um because you know at at the end of the day it's tough you know and um we don't ever have to be in competition with each other because you know we are unique unto ourselves and nobody can do again what we can do the way that we can do it. And so our only job, love each other, support each other, help lift each other up, help lift each other win, you know, because when we do that, we all win truly. Now, ladies, moving on, how important is it that black women lead the charge when it comes to politics, when it comes to culture, when it comes to the society at large? Um, all of, cause, cause Angela, all that works together. I mean, um, Politics, culture, policy, again, you know, we, we are, let's just talk uh, professionally. You know, we don't get paid the same. Um, we got to fight for all of our pennies. You know, we, we definitely aren't going to get paid as much as a white man, let alone a man and a white woman. So, you know, from a professional standpoint, we're fighting, you know, we're fighting for equal pay from a political standpoint, from Locally, we're fighting to be, you know, I'm fighting for my little street and my little um, garbage to be picked up. I'm fighting for um, to make sure my, my little street is plowed. So it's our duty and our responsibility to not just fall by the wayside or just be invisible, so to speak. It's our duty and responsibility. It's my duty as a mother 
to go into my children's high school and fight for things that I feel like they should be treated like everybody else. Um, and they are, but if there's ever a slip up, I, I, I'm up in there because it's not just about my kids. There's kids that moms aren't able to speak up or, you know, whatever the case may be. You, especially somebody, all of us are on this wonderful platform. We have to be, speak up and we have to have our voices be heard because it is our responsibility for our culture and for our community. And I'd say too, like even on like a, a smaller level, it's not a small level, but it but it is. But just when we speak up, especially the way that we have been able to kind of like shift things in the last like ten years, you know, it's like all of a sudden there is more representation. You know, all of a sudden there is, and 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 also just like with representation, it matters so much because what is represented here is filtered out into the rest of the world. But to have conversations about, you know, like having black hairdressers, you know, or people who know how to match your complexion or know how to do your hair so that you can do your job and you can create something that goes out into the rest of the world that some little girl is going to see and see themselves in, you know, every time we raise our voice, no matter what the issue is, rather it's a smaller one like that, which is still an important one or a much bigger one with politics and, and, you know, uh, changing law, like whatever it is, when we speak up, we begin to shift things. And, um, we have to continue to do that and also just be aware of our power. Even if it's a small victory, it shows what we're capable of when we keep pushing. And, and in that sense, I think that we can really, um, as cliche as it sounds, change the world. And now we're really starting, starting to be here, heard, and we're starting to see the fruits of, even if it's just, you know, speaking up about me too, whatever it is, we're starting to see the fruits of the labor of just pressing in and the yeah. power that we actually do have. Megan, I'm going to say this, and I know you have um, probably lived this because you're, you're in this, in the uh, acting industry. Um, I did um, a game show last week and when I got there, they were like, oh, Giselle, we really want to make sure that, you know, you're, you have proper glam, you know, just hair and makeup that could do basically a black woman. Um, and because two days prior, there was a black contestant and the glam that they got for her was white and they didn't know what to do with her. And she looked terrible. And I'm like, this is 2021. And we still like, we can't get this right. We can't, we can't figure this out. It, it, there's things that should not be happening. That's like a no brainer. So yeah, we always got to speak up. And even when we think about policies, if you look at, you know, healthcare for black women and maternal healthcare, the disparities that we suffer from, uh, fibroids, black women suffering from fibroids, even things like that, the crown act, being able to wear your hair, however you want to wear it, you know, in the workplace, you used to be a news anchor. You had to have your hair straight no matter what. You couldn't have braids. You couldn't have any type of other hairstyle, curly hair. And so it's just things like that. They're kind of microaggressions where you go into a space and they try to make you feel like you have to conform to this white model of what you're supposed to look like. You know, it is important to have people who are making these policies, who are calling things out and people in society in general. And I do think that social media has really helped to play a part in that, especially during this pandemic and 
you're seeing everything that's been happening with Black Lives Matter, seeing stores carrying more black brands and not putting them on the dusty bottom shelf, you know, where we have to go get our hair <laughs> products and and having like a, a section that no one goes to or maybe it's behind a glass. Uh, you know, it's just all these different things that we've had to deal with. Even when I think about nutrition and being able to have access to better nutrition and juice bars and things like that in our neighborhoods, all those things are really important. And so I do always encourage people, sometimes we don't even think about running for office, but if you know somebody who you think would be great in office, you should encourage them, you know, campaign behind them from the beginning. Things like that are really, really amazing and do make such a huge difference. Yeah. And we also have to get into our our local um, elections and help the people that we feel like can win. Um, and I'm just going to say right now, Angela, I think you should run at some point, but I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> keep that to myself um, or I'm just going to tell the people. But I think that you would be great. But that's a side note. But, you know, I a lot of times like when I was um, younger, I used to just be like, oh, you know, some of my responsibility. I'll just go vote, but I don't have to, like, talk about it and call my girlfriends and make sure they're voting and all that. No, we can't do that anymore. It's time out for that. We, everyone has to be involved. It's just. Yeah too much on the line. And also just like educating, you know, educating and talking to each other and talking about, you know, who's up for what and what this position actually equals in your community. And, and then just starting from there, like if you change city by city and state by state, then you really can change the world. These things are big and so important. And it's something that I think a lot of us, I mean, maybe I'm speaking for myself are really like discovering, um, the magnitude of of how important this is. It's like we want to change the world and it just feels like such a big fleet and it almost feels impossible, but there are ways to do it. And it's step by step by step by step. And, you know, again, when we have these conversations and we educate each other and we speak freely about things that we should be speaking freely about, even if someone disagrees with us or doesn't like what we have to say about it, these are the kind of, the kind of conversations that need to be had so that we can actually see the change that we're, we're constantly feeling a way about and, and constantly speaking about, but like it, it's our responsibility to take action. And again, this is a part of that. Yeah. And to that point, Megan, the reason why people try to convince you that change isn't happening or that your vote doesn't matter or who cares who's in office, things will be the same. That is voter suppression. Yeah. And so I really admire what Stacey Abrams did with Fair Fight and how she had people really rallied up and the changes were made that we never thought would happen in Georgia. And so that is a model that can work other places as well. And so the reason why they try to convince you not to vote, it doesn't matter. All politicians are bad. They're all the same. You know, Democrats are just as bad as Republicans, all kinds of, and vice versa. You know, I like to vote for people who I think uh, can represent me well. And I will never think that my vote doesn't matter because that's why they go so hard to try to stop certain people from voting And, you know, and to make sure that we don't run for office. So it definitely does matter. So don't listen to all of that hype. And there's also the stereotype of the angry black women. I know we've all heard that before. (laughs) That has dominated society's view of African-American females. And what way do we overcome this misperception of being overly angry, overly aggressive? And what measures do you think should be taken in the workplace to stop the perpetuation of the angry black woman stereotype. And let's start with you, Giselle, because I know <laughs> being on reality TV, when Sheesh. it goes down. Yeah. yeah. And you actually are pretty calm most of the time. Yes. But 
<laughs> but I do see that angry black women and playing black women against each other. And then you express yourself or if you take a stand on something, they just dismiss you as angry. Okay. So there's a difference. Okay. So in front of the camera, um, you know, obviously the cast is all black and we are, there are times that we are very angry. And so it has nothing to do with the stereotype of the angry black woman. Okay. But behind the camera, um, I can tell you when I first started Potomac and just dealing with the producers, dealing with the network, there was conversations in which it was very clear to me that they felt like all black women spoke like the women in Atlanta, right? Because that was the only frame of reference that they had for black women, which was seven black women in Atlanta. So you've talked to seven black women in Atlanta and we all like that. Like, that's just not even, that's just conceptually not even proper. So it was behind the scenes, having production meetings, having um, to just talk about our contracts when the lawyers meet, all of that played into a part of, oh, they think we're all the same. And that's when I got, I went into high gear and, and immediately, and it has taken me, I want to say season five, they started realizing based off of just sitting down and having conversations, breaking bread with um, the powers that be. And they started seeing, okay, not all black women are the same. Um, and we should not put them in all one category. And no, they're not all just walking around angry. And just because they stand up for themselves does not equal angry. Just because they say exactly what they want and they're direct about it, it does not equal angry. It just equals we're confident. We know how to speak. We know how to articulate our words. And we are very clear as to our value and our worth. So it, it took a while, but, you know, I'm going to say as far as Bravo is concerned, they want to learn, they want to do better. And so I don't have any issues with with where we are, but it was a struggle. I'm going to be honest. It was a struggle for white people to realize that black women are not angry all the time and we're not all the same. Yeah. I mean, I, I think a big part of that, because that, that's something that I really have an, a, an issue with because you know, when it's a white man and he expresses himself or he raises his voice, you know, he's strong, even if you don't like him. But if it, if it's a black woman, then, you know, she's B-I-T-C-H-E or she's difficult or she's hard to work with or whatever it is. Or, you know, if you have a moment and you get flustered, it's like, okay, that's a normal thing for a man. But when a, when a woman does it, it's like, well, can she handle it? You know, can she handle the pressure or whatever it is? And, and it is a double edged sword, but I think, you know, it does, it does boil down to, again, a huge part of it is, and it, and it seems small, but it's not is simply having yeah. those conversations consistently and change narrative and changing the conversation and addressing these things and making people think and maybe making them reconsider and being unapologetic, you know, about who we are and, you know, not changing that to try to fit into the box to be perceived a certain way so that you can do certain things. I think that when the, there was a time where that kind of had to be done in order for us to get here, but we're here now. 
And the only way to really be the fullness of who we are is to walk in it boldly and unapologetically and change the narrative. And um, I think that we we're doing that slowly, but surely. Yeah. And another thing I want to say to that is I, I think that in the past there, there are, we have been put in a situation in which there was fear in speaking um, our truth and there was fear in really talking about what it is that we feel like we are valued and we are and what we're worth. I remember I had to have a conversation with the president of Bravo and I, uh, well, I wasn't scared at the time. I think I was more mad, but I, you know, it, you really have to put away woulda, coulda, shoulda. And am I going to get backlash for what I say to the president of a company? Because it's not about that. You know, we're, I, anytime that I fight for my show, it's not about Giselle. It's always about the team. And more importantly, it's about the shows that will come behind us. The Real Housewives of Potomac might get canceled tomorrow. Who knows? You know, the television industry is real fickle, but it's not about that. It's about we have to be treated as well as you all have been treating everyone that's white. And because fair is fair. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. 
Megan, how is the experience directing when you have to be the person that's in charge of all the moving parts? You know, it's interesting is is to is to that last question and, and to this. I think in the beginning, you know, part of me was very cautious because because I'm a woman, because I'm a black woman, because I'm an actress. And I really wanted people to see like, I can do this. I know what I'm doing. I have a point of view. I may not know the name of the exact lens, but I can tell you exactly how I want it to look. You tell me the name of the lens. You know what I'm saying? And in the beginning, I think I approached it one way, which was just like trying to prove myself. And now I approach it in a way where I'm very much aware that everything that I bring, again, it's unique to me. And that nobody else in the world is me, just like I'm nobody else. And um, when we lean into our power and what we uniquely bring, that is the the thing that makes all the difference. It's the same as an actress. Somebody else can read the lines the same as halfway as me, but we're not each other. We have different essences. We grew up different places. We had maybe some similar experiences, but maybe we processed them different. Maybe it brought out something different in us and create, you know, whatever it is. And so just leaning into all the uniqueness that we each have as individuals is really our superpower, that authenticity. And so now with directing, it's fun that, you know, I might be doing a scene with someone and I'm trying to get a little girl to cry and she's never done it before. So I start crying with her. Mm which under many circumstances would be perceived as weak or are you okay or whatever it is. But because I'm crying, I can get this five-year-old girl to start crying. And that's something that I can uniquely bring that is just me and it is just me, you know? And so it's fun to explore all these different things as a director and, and um, discover even things about myself. And it's, it's very cool to be able to speak an actor's language and to figure out how to, you know, make certain things happen. I'm, I'm a big problem solver person. Um, I hate no. I always like how. Let's figure it out. Well, things don't usually get done that way. So let's do something different. You know, that's how you change the world. That's how you change history. That's how you change like the standard. You know, let's make new ones and continue to change them. And so, um, yeah, I really love directing a lot. <laughs> I can tell. I love how passionate you are about it. So I guess that means we'll be seeing a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 it's and to me it also is because again of what we're talking about right now I want what I bring as a black woman to touch the rest of the world because somebody needs to see it. That's what we're here for is to help each other on this journey of life and like what we put into the world. And so this is my contribution and oftentimes you know my directing is is my artistic activism. Or it's just, you know, artistry, but it, but some version of it just by default of being a black woman, it is artistic activism, you know? I love that. Artistic activism. I like that. We're going to still, you're going to put that on a t-shirt, yes, right? Yes. We're going <laughs> to. <laughs> now, Giselle, what is the pathway for asp- young aspiring women of color who are attending HBCUs? Maybe they want to be part of this ever-growing media industry. What should they know, would you say, and why? Um, that is tough, that you are going to get a bunch of no's. And just like everything, I mean, the, once you get out of college and, and put your, your tiptoe into the real world, it's tough. It's, it's not for... I always say anybody that wants to be on reality television, let me just say right now, it's, it's, I tell everybody it's not for you <laughs> because it's, it's very difficult 
and um, only like, you know, a minuscule amount of people can just handle it all. But follow your dreams, follow your passions. Don't anybody tell you that you can't fulfill whatever it is that your dreams are. One thing I want to say about HBCUs, when I first had my girls, I was praying to God that they would come up on their own and realize that they want to be a part of a black college just because, you know, four years with us and our people and, and how we think and how we feel and how we smell and how we walk and talk is just an amazing experience. But it is like a very small nucleus. So enjoy it. All those people that are in college right now, enjoy it because uh, once you step out of it, it's, it's, it's the real world and the real world is not a game. Another part of that, I know I'm being long-winded, but another part of that is I didn't know how much networking would happen to me just because I went to a Black college. The networking of it all has lasted my entire life. Robin Dixon, who went to the University of Maryland, regrets not going to a Black college because of it. Me being, um, you know, an AKA, a member of sorority, that has... I've been able to network the heck out of that thing. Right now, today, if somebody, if a young girl calls me, if a college student calls me or gets in touch with me, DMs me, whatever, and says that they went to Hampton and they pledged my sorority, are you kidding? I'll do anything for that girl. So it's just, I mean, I can't speak enough about Black colleges. It's just everything. Megan, we can still go back to college and get some degrees. What do you think? Look, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> That's a show in itself. <laughs> oh my God, that show would be a mess. <laughs> well, Megan, what advice would you give though? There's a lot of young HBCU Black women who are thinking about being part of the growing media industry. What, what should they know, you think, and why? Well, I love what she was just saying about the networking part of it. You know, I think there is so much value in community and people who are directly, immediately connected to you, just even in spirit, just because of where you've come from and the thing that you understand that nobody else understands unless they've had that experience. And, you know, I would just say that, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, you are perfectly imperfect and you are unique and nobody can bring to the table what you can bring the way that you can bring it. And so just knowing your value and knowing your worth is unprecedented and, you know, choosing people in your circle who are really going to pour into you, who are really going to tell you the truth, who are really going to support you, who are going to love you unconditionally. And, um, knowing that if, if, if what you are believing for and wanting to pursue is easily tangible, then you're not dreaming big enough. So just keep dreaming and knowing that, um, and the crazy thing is we get scared when dreams come true, mm-hmm. uh, but know that, that they are very, very possible and, and absolutely likely. Um, you just got to do the work, show up. I'm a big believer of like faith without works is dead. You could have all the faith in the world, but you got to meet God halfway by really, really doing the work and doing everything that's within your power. Um, and again, know that there's going to be a lot of rejection nine times out of 10. The answer is going to be no for one reason or the other. And those things will make you question yourself from the inside out, but just know that because you are you, 
when it's the right thing in the right situation and the right tribe and the right, all of that, it will lock in and that thing will be unshakable because you've been authentic and because you didn't change who you are to fit into any box. You know, there is quality and, and there is quantity. Quantity is, is the easy stuff. That's when you fit in the box. You can get plenty of quantity, but the quality is when you're authentic. So be all of who you are and all of your amazingness and know that you're effing dope regardless and you will find your tribe (laughs) and you will win yeah but can i and can i say angela the the tribe thing is key like you gotta have your people around you that are pushing you um and you gotta push them it doesn't just work one way it's two ways you gotta push your friends and they gotta push you and if not you gotta cut them friends off because they will drag you down to a place where you don't want to go so you know your squad game Make sure that is tight. And don't be afraid to let people go. Because when you let the right ones go, your life actually gets better. Right. I definitely have been trying to make sure I'm intentional about keeping the negativity away from me. People who try to discourage you from being successful. A lot of of that is their own fear that they can't do certain things. And, you know, I know a lot of us have loyalty to people that we're cool with, that we've grown up with. But sometimes those people are just not meant to be in your life and on your complete journey. And so I totally agree with that because that energy, you know, you need those people that are uplifting you, supporting you, whatever it is that they can do, they want to see you win and they're genuine about it. So I definitely totally agree with that. Well, you women, I just want to thank y'all because this was very inspiring and uplifting. So this is an amazing tribe for me to have been a part of today. And I want to thank you, Megan Good. Thank you, Giselle Bryant. You guys are both always so gracious and amazing. And I support everything that you both have going on fully. And I think this is a great conversation for young Black women to hear. This is Black and Inspired. It's an HBCU celebration. So I know we all have things to do, but thank you again so much for joining me. We love Thank you. I said we love you. Uh, uh, we didn't hear as I broke up. We just got quiet. Uh, I love you guys too. Thank you so much. I'm Angela Yee and thank you for joining me and Megan Good and Giselle Bryant for iHeartRadio's Black and Inspired HBCU celebration. For more of this podcast series, you can listen on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. 
And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.